the terror that flaps in the night. He is the voice of your childhood. He is Darkwing Duck. And a cat, and a bobcat, and a firefly, and all sorts of other characters, too. But uh, today, um, I'm bringing you one more bonus episode, guys. Please hang in there. The next, the last three Darkwing Duck episodes are coming. Um, but I got one more bonus episode, and today, we are talking about that voice of our childhood, the great, iconic Jim Cummings. We're going to talk about as many of his Disney roles as we can, especially the Disney afternoon stuff. In order to help with this one, I brought back my buddy, uh, Bill Stesky. We did say he wasn't going to come back for any more, but I managed to get him one more time. Welcome back, Bill. It's good to see you, Mike. You just couldn't get rid of me, could you? No, <laughs> it, it had to happen one more time. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad to be back. And I mean, what better way um, uh, to, to come back than talk about Oh, just a a downright legend. I mean, you know, it's it's Jim Cummings, man. Yeah, he made the Disney afternoon what it was. There is absolutely no denying or arguing that. If you argue that, you're crazy. Yeah, for sure. And and we were talking before we started the recording about how he I mean, he's I mean, you know, we give a lot of credit to all the writers, all the creators, animators um on on creating all of the shows that you know came to uh uh become the disney afternoon but you know yeah. the talent the actors the voices that brought life to those characters um you know it, it you know just goes to show how important that is and jim was a founding uh or a big foundation in all of that he had a lot of primary roles and uh he just kept uh building momentum and it's clear from you know, obviously, all the characters that he's done. Yeah, I mean, I've tried very hard on this podcast to pay a lot of tribute, like you said, to the writers, directors, animators, all those people. But let's be honest: a lot of the a lot of the staff that people know are the voice actors. Those are the people you can meet at conventions. You can get their autographs. You can talk to them. They're out there and a lot easier to access, basically, and and meet. Right. And everybody loves just the voices of their childhood. And Jim was a big one for guys like you and me. For sure, for sure. And the funny thing is, I mean, before the internet was a thing and before conventions were as big as they are now, um, you know, as a kid, I, you know, I noticed in all the shows I watched um, especially in the Disney afternoon, but I mean, you know, expanding into the other, you know, uh, like the Warner brothers cartoons and, and, uh, you know, Nickelodeon, when it started becoming a big thing with the Nicktoons and all the other different, um, um, studios that created right. these shows, I noticed there were, there were voices that sounded very similar. So then I started really paying attention. I was, it was, you know, as a kid, most kids don't care about credits, but I did. I would sit at the end of every show and stick around. And I remember it was like the fourth or fifth credit and it would be the voice actors. Yeah. And I would start looking for, for the names and they didn't really mean anything to me too much at the time because you can't put a face with them. And I, I think even most voice actors would recognize that like, you know, they are the faceless heroes, you know, but yeah, at the it time, was, it was especially more faceless in the 80s when, like, a Hanna-Barbera show, 
would credit everybody who was in every episode, which made it yeah. really hard to figure out who did who. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But they they usually, for the most part, I'm not saying 100 percent of the time, but for the most part, they tried to give proper credit to the, the, the actors that, you know, played characters in those episodes. But I would notice, you know, certain actors would recur in those credits. And I'd notice them on Darkwing and Tiny Toons and Rocco's Modern Life. And, you know, the list goes on. But I would right. see a particular name that would come up quite often amongst others, but quite often. And, and I would recognize I'm like, wait a sec, that has to be the same guy. It was, it was almost like doing like a, you know, like a six degrees of Kevin Bacon or something like that, or like some sort of <laughs> like scientific procedure to figure out who this was. And right. I narrowed it down to be like, hey, that's that guy's voice or that that's that woman's voice. And for me, that was Jim Cummings, because I think he was one of the first, especially the first modern voice actor whose name I was able to put with a face. The only other person before him that I that I knew as a name was Mel Blanc. Yeah. Because he was credited in all the Looney Tunes. You knew he was Bugs Bunny. But I would say Jim might have been the first modern voice actor I learned about, and I knew who that was. Um, before we get started, because what we're going to do here is talk about maybe like the first 10 years of his Disney television work, the characters he did that we grew up with. But you met Jim recently, didn't you? I did. I was very fortunate. Um, I'm from the Pittsburgh area. And um, uh, about a month ago, uh, in uh, early uh, August, um, it was a last minute substitution uh, for initially, and again, the particular convention I go to, uh, Still City Con, they don't typically do voice actors, and I think they're trying to uh, amend that in future uh, conventions, but they had lined people up... Have, people have pops to get autographed, man. This is very, very true. You know those pops? They're, they're super popular. Hi, Will. <laughs> <laughs> but... But yeah, they had lined up um, Tom Kenny, who a lot of people would know as SpongeBob SquarePants, among others. Yeah. But I, I think there was, uh, uh, um, I guess, some misfortune in his family. I don't know exactly who or what, but I think there was some sort of COVID uh, complication. Um, but uh, at the very last minute, it was like a week, uh, week and a half before the show. I couldn't believe it. They said they had somebody lined up and... Uh, sure enough, I think a day later they announced it and I, my drop, my jaw dropped. I was so excited. It was Jim. And I was like, I must go to this show. So I did. Um, I was there on a Friday. It was a slow day. Um, I had a chance to go up to his table whenever, yeah, uh, you know, he had a bit of a lull and, uh, you know, I got to, you know, just chip chat to him and, and he's such a, you know, he's a great guy, real, real laid back. Um, you know, I got to, talk to him about uh you know he he's just a kind of a um you know small town guy himself he's from Youngstown which is not far, Youngstown Ohio not far from Pittsburgh right. so it was kind of nice to hear a little bit of his story and how he was a steel mill worker um and how you know as a kid he would just you know clown around in his uh classrooms all the time making goofy voices and uh making the kids laugh and uh, upsetting his teachers but uh, clearly it, it paid off because he, uh, eventually him, yeah. made a career out of it. Yeah. <laughs> so why don't we start talking about that career? 
Um, Because as a matter of fact, Jim's very, very, like literally very first vocal performance was for Disney. It wasn't for a cartoon, though. Uh, Bill, what was the first character he ever voiced? The first character he had voiced was Lionel the Lion from 1985's live action puppet show Dumbo's (laughs) Circus. And of course, he worked alongside Katie Lee for the first time, who was Dumbo, and would later, of course, become Honker. Small world. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, I don't know much about this show. I didn't have cable growing up, so I didn't watch it. All I know about this show, I learned from a Defunct Land YouTube video. Um, You said you've seen it. Um, Tell me more about Lionel. Lionel was just a, uh, you know, just a, just a happy-go-lucky um, uh, a lion. Uh, he had a very high-pitched uh, accent, uh, or Brooklyn accent, um, and he would be the one that was in charge of the, the show. He would be, um, uh, you know, he ran the circus, and he would get uh, um, all the characters from town to town. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I had read that he was um, partially inspired by the... Uh, the mouse character in the original Dumbo um, animated film. Um, but uh, it, it's not necessarily connected at all. But no, he was uh, just a, a sweet and uh, uh, happy-go-lucky uh, uh, guy. And, and just, you know, just, uh, yeah, just just a pleasant character. And But yeah, Jim Jim would voice him and definitely had that, that very, you know, ah, oh, Dumbo kind of... Uh, well, kind of you voice. know whose voice I hear when I hear this character? I hear Lou Costello. I could I could hear that, yeah. <laughs> and the reason why I hear it mainly is because a few years later, he used that exact same voice for Lou Costello's spider on Rescue Rangers. Ah, yes, That's, yes. So I, I think the voice was kind of taken from Lou Costello, not sure. But what Jim did, especially back in the 80s, he would come up with character types. The mm-hmm. Lou Costello, the Woody Allen, the Peter Laurie, and he would use those a lot, as we're going to see. Um, yeah, he would He would also kind of take bits from each, uh, uh, well, certain celebrities and cer- certain impersonations and kind of toss them in a blender. Oh, we're going to see that too. To yeah, make them make them fit. But uh, yeah, I can totally see that. And he would use this voice that he used for Lionel in other uh, the, for other characters, even some stock characters that were used in uh, like you know as one one shot characters on certain. Yeah, levels. there was a there was a mole in a Darkwing Duck episode, um, Ducky Phobia, and you can hear me. He's like, that'll teach him to mess with Moldyardy. Same voice. <laughs> yep. Yep. So okay, so his first animated disney character very inauspicious because it's he's not he's barely putting on a voice for this guy um a one-shot gummy bear chummy gummy from the first episode of season two of the gummy bears called up up and away um i saw the episode relatively recently within the last year you might not even realize it's jim because he's again he's not putting on a voice yeah that was basically his voice that was just kind of him being Almost pretty, you know, all natural right there. But he would just, you know, he would cartoon it up if you want to. A little bit. Yeah. 
But it's it's funny, like, yeah, Lionel was his first performance, but this is where he's really getting his start on Disney animation. And again, it's so inauspicious. It's just this cheerful gummy bear. Right, right. Where the voice is not calling attention to itself. Yes, yes. But um, the cool thing about that episode that he was in, um, they there was a song in it. And it was a very short, very, very brief song. But apparently it was so... Uh, uh, I guess, you know, it it, it, it must have caught fire uh, because the uh, top execs um, at Disney decided or somebody decided in when they were making a, a soundtrack for the Disney afternoon, they decided to uh, add that song to the soundtrack. So they must have brought Jim back into the studio to re-record that, you know, for, you know, better fidelity. Hey, and, Jim, uh, remember, remember Chummy Gummy? <laughs> Who? <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, just tummy gummy. Who? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and it was it was a good it was a fun song, and uh, I think uh, they even had Noel North come back to reprise uh, uh, her role as Covey. But yeah, it was a fun quirky song, and uh, yeah, it, Jim had some fun with that. And worth mentioning is the season finale from season two is where Rob Paulson got his start at Disney playing Gusto. Very true. Very so true. that's um yeah so two legends that started on the same show, okay so moving ahead a year, Jim gets to play his first villain. Um the unforgettable at least for me because I, man did I grow up with this, El Capitan from the Ducktales origin Treasure of the Golden Suns. <laughs> this is when he's really starting to ham it up. Oh yeah. Uh, I don't even. I don't even know what type of character or, or what impersonation he was trying to go for here. Just a really, really old, grizzled Spanish guy? Sure. Really all it is. He's an old yeah. Spanish conquistador, isn't he? And he's just, that's what he yes. does. Yes. And, uh, man, I'll tell you what. His, and again, like, it's hard for me to emulate, but, like, he would really dig down deep for this whole, like, you know, I love gold, you know, that whole, yeah. that whole, you know, deep and very like, you know, breathy, raspy voice. And um, that really was, you know, stark contrast to, you know, chummy, obviously, but. Or even Lionel. Know. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But he was, yeah. I I think that character was great. Um, oh, yeah. And as the episodes he was in progressed, he just got crazier. When he got the yeah. gold fever, <laughs> there would be he'd be hiccuping uh, like every other line. <laughs> but but Jim's timing even this early was great. There's toward the end, um, El Capitan's like, I won't have you tasting a single drop of my gold. And he pauses <laughs> for like two seconds and then he hiccups. Mm -hmm. Just the comic timing in that is just great. Like Jim had it right out of the gate with Disney. Like, oh, yeah. And he only really just played this guy on DuckTales. He wasn't a fixture on DuckTales at all. Like, he did not really appear much on that show. Yeah, it was very few and far between. But, yeah, Jim wasn't really uh, used uh, otherwise, aside from El Capitan. Well, I guess that was because he finally got his first starring role the following year. Um... Playing the character, I think if it if it wasn't for Darkwing, I think this would be the character he's most known for. I think this is how most 
casuals know Jim as Pooh. He's been <laughs> Pooh for Winnie the five years now. <laughs> Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, let's specify. Yeah. <laughs> Winnie the Pooh. Okay, or Pooh Winnie Bear. The Pooh. The Pooh yeah, Bear. He's yeah. been the only voice of Winnie the Pooh for 35 years now. Yes. Almost. Yeah, probably. Yeah, almost more, maybe. Yeah. Um, so he got started as Pooh on the new adventures of Winnie the Pooh in 1988. And again, he's been the only voice. Even when they did the Christopher Robin movie, they were going to replace him as Tigger. They were not going to replace him as Pooh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he really um, he really stood in well for uh, uh, the original voice actor, who um, I, I'm, I wasn't sure how long he, he was around for, but uh, Sterling Ho- Holloway. Sterling um, Holloway only did Pooh for the first three featurettes. Yes. I mean, he's my Pooh. Like, he's, like, he's the iconic Pooh to me, mm-hmm. to Sterling Holloway. But man, does Jim come close. Jim puts... A, a sweetness, a tenderness to to his version of Pooh that I'm not saying Sterling didn't have, but you know there there's just like just a uh, just a sweetness, just a little bit of like a, a higher uh, timbre in, in it in his voice I, that just makes it right. I just love it. I think Holloway had more of a southern kind of um, world weariness to it. Mm-hmm more of a rustic sound that Jim doesn't have, but his poo is still fantastic. I mean, I can't picture any voice actor doing that character. It's just, I can't. Right. And nowadays you see Jim perform him and he just does it with no, you know, just with the greatest of ease. Yep. It's, that's, I mean, we all love Darkwing, but this is Jim's number one character to most people because it's Winnie the Pooh. Like, how do you not love that character? <laughs> and um, he wasn't just Pooh. Um, he was Tigger. Initially, he didn't start out as Tigger. That was Paul Winchell reprising the original role as Tigger. Uh, but Winchell had gotten older. Jim could do the voice. So a few episodes in, I think this first cartoon was called King of the Beasties. Jim Cummings went back and forth. Sometimes it was Jim, sometimes it was Paul Winchell. And they went that way for over a decade. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes it was Jim, sometimes it was Paul. Um, Jim finally took over permanently for the Tigger movie in 1990. Because at that point, Paul Winchell was just too old to keep doing it. He was supposed to do it. But he just he just couldn't. So for the past 20 some odd years, Jim has been the only voice of Tigger. As I said, he was almost replaced in Christopher Robin and they thought better of it at the last minute. Right, right. And uh, interestingly enough, because uh, Jim had that ability to somewhat mimic Paul Winchell's voice, and we won't talk about it right now, but we'll get back to it. But uh, another character that they shared that uh, that Jim did take over for. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Because very soon we're hitting that period where Disney television animation becomes the Jim Cummings show. Because <laughs> right now it doesn't feel that way because he's inheriting characters, basically. Because Pooh and Tigger are legacy characters. They transcend Jim Cummings. Right. And they're always going to. But we are hitting a point now where he's taking control of these shows. 
I don't know if it truly starts with Rescue Rangers, but he's a major component of Rescue Rangers. And a lot of that is because the voice cast of that show was so small. You only yeah, had that four. Was, that was very strategically done because I believe they were trying to, well, I don't want to say budget, but they were also trying to see what versatility they can get out of a very, very thin amount of uh, uh, actors. And boy, well, they ever. They picked some of the most versatile people they could have possibly picked. I mean, Tress McNeil, Corey Burton, Peter right. Cullen, and Jim. And they got Tress doing Gadget and Chip. They got Burton doing Dale and Zipper. Mm -hmm. And Cullen initially doing Monterey Jack. And Cummings doing everybody else. <laughs> pretty much. Um, and it's funny, he played the two main villains. So right. he was he was Fat Cat, who, would you say it's Vincent Price and Zero Mustel put in a blender? It was uh, um, Zero, I think Jim was quoted on an interview saying that it's actually uh, Zero Mustel and Dom DeLuise in a blender. And I could I could totally see that. <laughs> yeah, I do still hear Vincent Price in it, but yeah, Dom DeLuise not as strong, mm -hmm. but it's there. Yeah, it's I, a little bit of that rot uh, rotundness there, you know. <laughs> yeah, and I said this way back when me, you, and Tiffany recorded the Disney Afternoon Memories, but I do think Fat Cat's a great character, and lots of it, a lot of it comes from the voice the str on the strength of that voice mm -hmm. because the character himself doesn't get to do much he doesn't have a personal connection to the rescue rangers but man it sure is fun to hear him talk oh yeah oh yeah uh and including so especially in that five-part uh uh pilot um uh episode that was a lot of fun and interestingly enough uh, uh there's another yet another song that maybe should have been on the Disney Afternoon soundtrack, but wasn't included. But uh, he did a song called The Best of Everything. Yes, yeah, so this this starts a, this thing now, where every time <laughs> they do one of these multi-part origin things, or pilots if you want to be like that, um, they have Jim sing something. <laughs> and yes, he does sing The Best of Everything. Fat Cat gets a musical number, and it's great. Like, oh, yeah. he really belts it out. Like, he he does a great... He, he just... This is the beginning. Yeah. And Jim I think Cummings, they, they, the, the, Yeah. Yeah, they realized that, you know, not only was he a, a talent voice-wise, but, you know, hey, guy can sing. Guy could sing. Singing accents and all sorts of funny voices. This is true. <laughs> and we are definitely getting to that as we continue onward here, because there's mm -hmm. a lot of characters he does that also have a chance to sing. Uh, he's also Nimnal. Uh, I, I can't quite describe this voice. Um, just wacky mad scientist. But <laughs> yeah. I know there are times on Darkwing when Darkwing really gets mad and screams. He hits that Nimnal voice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's definitely, there's definitely a, a connection, connective tissue with a lot of Jim's voices that he does. Um, Nim Nimnal's okay. I don't have any sp particular fondness or dislike of Nimnal. He's just another Rescue Ranger villain. Mm -hmm. 
And then we have, of course, we have Wart, um, one of Fat Cat's henchmen, who has that Peter Laurie voice I wanted to mention. Yeah, without a doubt. That stock, he, 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 boss voice, you know? Yeah. Um, but then, um, apparently, Tad Stones felt Jim made a funnier Monterey Jack <laughs> and replaced Peter Cullen a little while down the line with, with Jim. Apparently, the first episode Jim recorded was the episode called When Mice Were Men, which is like, according to Wikipedia, it's like episode 37. So you see how deep it went before they did the switch over. That that is true, but it all it's also interesting to note that, you know, and again, like I I guess I will say pilot episode, but that five part origin story because that was I think the first one that was actually premiered, you know, before all others, and well, this just goes to show the production aspect of things. But I think Jim, well, I know Jim did the voice in that five-part series yeah the um the first 13 episodes that were produced first were the original tms ones that aired on the disney channel earlier okay. uh, episodes like categories not included kiwi's big adventure adventures in squirrel sitting those were all peter cullen those were all animated by tms those were first um right. the, the, the rescue episodes came after that so i can totally see how they had cullen come in to do those earlier ones probably a few more of the later ones, got Jim, fast-tracked the origin serial, and aired that as early as they could. Because yeah. remember, Darkly Dawn's A Duck by production number was somewhere in the high 30s. Right, right. So that's how that kind of stuff worked. Yeah, I keep forgetting, and, and you got to forgive me, because even though I did have access to some content from the Disney Channel, I kept forgetting that, any, that that anything you know that was to come out in the fall of any given year, the Disney Channel would get uh, you know uh, exclusive uh, early um, broadcasting rights to it. To like nine to thirteen episodes would air in the spring as a sneak preview. Yes, yes. So he was he was the second voice of Monty. We did discuss this a few months back that his portrayal is a lot, a little bit less nuanced than Peter Cullen but a lot mm -hmm. sillier and cartoonier. <laughs> yeah. Because he, he would... Go on. I feel, I feel like his I feel, I feel like his portrayal was like another register higher, like a, a little louder. And he would also stretch out the cheese a lot, a lot yep. more than Cullen ever did. Oh, for sure. I feel like his Monterey Jack was a lot more bombastic. <laughs> Um, and I think he was the best character on the show because I just think Jim gave him a natural but very fun sound that contrasted to your two chipmunks with the audio process voices. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I definitely, as I, maybe as a kid, I liked Dale more, but as I've gotten older, Monty and, and Gadget are the characters I definitely find that really saved that show for me. Yeah, so, yeah, because you need those, those, Color, more colorful and more, I guess, characters with depth uh, that could, you know, you know, be explored upon outside of Chippendale, who were a little more, uh, let's let's say, shallow. <laughs> exactly. And again, Jim didn't just do these characters; he did like somebody else in every single episode. 
Like there's always a gym voice buried in a Rescue Ranger episode. You mentioned to me before we recorded of uh, Sergeant Spinelli, who has another voice that Jim always kind of did. Um, yeah. Like, like how would you how would you say this voice sounds? Oh God, I I guess like very kind of like almost like a barfly, almost like a character in Cheers. Uh, uh, like you know, I, I remember in the one uh, behind the scenes featurette of Chippendale, he would do he would do a quick version of the voice. He'd be like, "What's that?" A chipmunk stole your wallet. Ah, oh, that's out of my jurisdiction. I gotta go. Yeah, so, like that. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I like Chief Wiggum before there was a Chief Wiggum. Yes, yeah. I mean, that's, granted, that's Chief comparison. Wiggum was Edward G. Robinson, but it is the definite the connection is definitely there. Uh, For sure. So moving on from Rescue Rangers, really quick, because you you alluded to this in season six of Gummy Bears, he took over Zummy Gummy from Paul Winchell. You, yes. You couldn't even tell. Honestly, you can't even tell. Yeah, he he does it so well. Um, and I know he he really um, I think that the best episodes that he did um, were that um, it was the two part finale, the K- King Igthorn, uh, because that was a very zummy heavy uh, pair of episodes. So that was uh, good seeing uh, that you know that character um, you know back in the in the driver's seat. And Jim Jim really did it well. Can I just say about those two episodes you mentioned, it's funny how Gummy Bears got started in 85, but its final episodes aired in 1991, (laughs) a few months before Darkwing Duck started. You think Gummy Bears was such an old show, but it was still airing new content into 1991. That's unheard of. I mean, in in those those two part episodes, you're seeing the genesis of Disney Australia in one episode and like the height of Disney Japan in the second one. Oh, yeah. Like, like I, w- I feel like I would say Gummy Bears is hard to marathon. It actually holds up well, but make it to the end of the show just for that two part series finale. Like you, you're going to see like. It's a, it's pretty amazing how well Gummy Bears holds up and how long it lasted for crying out loud. Right, right. It just goes to show how how much of an impact that made, uh, you know, um, to to just the general public and, and the kids of uh, kids of the uh, specific age, including uh, people Us. like you, yeah, you and me. <laughs> it deserves a little bit more recognition than it actually gets. For sure. So. Moving on to the next one, this is a series where I feel like definitely it became the Jim Cummings show, but definitely where they were really talking him up in a lot of press because you got the next show and Darkwing Duck was right on the heels. So you had a lot of Jim and Disney was really starting to push him at this point Um, because here we have Tailspin, your favorite show. For where sure. he's where he's Don Carnage and Louie, his two big voices. We've discussed Don Carnage ad nauseum before, but we have to mention him again because he's one of Jim's truly great characters. Oh, yeah. Even though the voice is an amalgam of something else, it's not a truly original voice. It's got the Ricky Ricardo Spanish thing going on. Uh-huh. But what Jim does with it is just brilliance. <laughs> Like I could just listen to this character talk all day. Yeah. 
and and you you probably could. I'm, I'm, I've seen YouTube videos uh, where there's Don Carnage compilations, and man, it's it's just gold. It's just it's great. What a lousy place to put a wall. <laughs> I know I said it before, but it's such a great line. I think his his uh, one of his uh, first lines I think is, "Greetings and salivations, fellow aviator." It, it was. I. That panic-provoking pirate, Don Carnage. Oh, you rolled the R. It's fantastic. Oh, your um, R. <laughs> and we, we can we can sit here talking about this guy all day, but we shouldn't. We have a lot more to discuss. Uh, but he got he got to sing. Oh yeah. He sang um Sky Pirates. Sky in, Pirates indeed. In the origin, again, he's taking just a funny voice and he's really able to sing with it. And again, another uh, song that was uh, excluded from the Disney Afternoon soundtrack, unfortunately. And but and of course, along with the, the best of everything and this song and the next one we'll discuss, all three of these songs got thrown to the highest possible tier of Disney Japan animators. So I remember as a kid when these songs would start, not only would the vocals impress me, I'd be blown away by the animation. Mm-hmm. And be like, whoa, this is amazing. And like Jim and Dizzy Japan just holds this stuff together in the early days of these shows. Oh, yeah. Okay, so and, Louis. And, and, oh, sorry. Go, I, on. Go ahead, I, Bill. I do also want to point out that a lot of those songs were composed by um, the, the great pairing of Silvershire and Silvershire, which are the uh, husband and wife uh, writing team, Michael and I was Patty. Say, re- related much? <laughs> yeah, yeah. They were the ones that composed the Gummy Bears theme. Um, and to my knowledge, um, I believe they, they did compose the best of everything. Uh, they did um, they did the rough, tough, burly sailor song. They did uh, um, several from Tailspin, uh, not the Jim sang, but uh, they did the, the theme song. They did I'm Gone. They did Home is Where the Heart Is. They did the Sky Pirates theme. And then they did another song that was included on the uh, uh, soundtrack, though it wasn't uh, uh, alluded to in the show was monkey in your tank. Um, but, uh, yeah, so they, you know, they had a, a big part of that and Jim really knew how to, you know, really put that, uh, that, that sound that they were looking for, uh, you know, uh, out, you know? So meanwhile, we have Louie, but this is more of, again, him in- inheriting a character. He's oh, just yeah. doing Louie Prima, but he's doing it really, really well. <laughs> so well, in fact, that there was a lawsuit over it, which I I won't get too in, in, in depth on. But apparently the uh, uh, the estate of Louis Primo wasn't too happy with, uh, I guess, uh, their um, uh, they're using the Prima sound uh, and, once again. And long but, story short, Jim hasn't done that voice since Tailspin. No, unfortunately, and it is sad because I I just love I love the character and I love what Jim does to it. It's just you know it's just so much fun. And again, one more song on that soundtrack, uh, Jim and and the late great Ed Gilbert did a song called Friends for Life, and boy, that's such a fun song too. If you haven't had the chance to listen to it, uh, to any of the uh, listeners, do yourself a favor, YouTube it. It's it's good fun. It, it's great. And of course, if you feel like it. Definitely listen to the Boogie Beagle Blues just to hear Chuck McCann and Frank Welker sing as the Beagle Boys. <laughs> That's just yep. great. Love that. Oh, yeah. 
Classic. Um, he did a few other minor Tailspin characters. He was Trader Mo. Um, you know, Trader Mo, the little gangster alligator. Mm-hmm. Um, but who I really liked was his Gorilla Goon. <laughs> and every time Chuck McCann's rhino was like, we're just mindless goons. And, and the gorilla was like, yeah, goons. He was so stupid. <laughs> yeah, it was okay, perfect. boss. Yeah, boss. Yeah, it was a very which way did he go, George kind of voice for sure. Um, I think that might have been one of Jim's dumbest characters. <laughs> yep, yep. But it was so fun. And then I think I remember there was one other voice I remember. Just because I think I had the VHS, and I, I, I do have the VHS t- tape of it, uh, there was an episode, Molly Coddled, where uh, it was a Molly-heavy episode, which, you know, eh, not really hey. my thing. But Jim did a, the character, the main villain or antagonist was uh, this very sly, uh, um, I guess he was a panther named Covington, who Covington. was... Covington, right. Putting, yes, putting on the accent. Yes, he would swoon uh, uh, Rebecca as he's trying to gain but, access to this idol that I guess uh, Molly thinks is a is a toy doll. But then when he get kicked in the shin, you would hear the Jim Cummings come out. Yes. Yeah, of don't, course. Don't <laughs> five-year-olds ever get tired. <laughs> so what we're going to do now to save time, we're not going to talk about Darkwing Duck. I know, I know, I know, but guys, we have like, almost 90 other episodes of Darkwing Duck you guys can be listening to where we praise the crap out of Jim Cummings. (laughs) So we don't need to go through that again. We've done it. Um, Yeah, he was Darkwing Duck. He was Negaduck. He was Herb Muddlefoot. He was Moliarty. He was Gumbo. He was like everybody else. Um, But of course, I think Darkwing Duck cements Jim Cummings as the king of Disney afternoon, basically. Mm -hmm. Darkwing Duck absolutely does that. And if it's again, if it's not Pooh and Tigger as the characters he's remembered for, man, it's Darkwing Duck. Because yeah. Darkwing Duck was the one character he created himself, 100%. Came up with an original voice and made that, made that his own. He wasn't making an amalgam of other other celebrities like Don Carnage or Fat Cat, and he wasn't trying to copy somebody else's work. There's no describing what Darkwing Duck's voice is. You can't impersonate it. It's just Darkwing Duck. Yeah, that's uh, that's all, Jim, and he's uh, he's been proud of it ever since uh, uh, he came out. That's his masterpiece. For sure. Darkwing Duck is years absolutely ago. Jim's masterpiece. And everything from just the way he enunciates things to the way he hits hard K's when he says Negaduck or his hard P's when he says Cape, how he pops his P's, um, and the hurt voice. And when he mocks Gizmo Duck, me, 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 all these things. I know a lot, and a lot of it he came up with himself. A lot of it was directed. Um, but. And we've seen modern attempts to do the Darkwing voice. I mean, Christy Mendopolis, bless his heart, he tries, but he's not Jim. No. <laughs> and Darkwing Duck will always be Jim Cummings in my heart. You can't replace that voice. Right, right. But you can hear me and Will have discussions like that all throughout the other episodes we've done, talking about vocal tics that Darkwing Duck has, like, oh, that's my special spot, stuff like that. Um, which I, I'm sure was a Jim ad lib. 
but we we don't need to talk about that anymore. We don't have a lot of time left. So I want to move on to another character that's become iconic for Jim that he's been doing for 30 years now. Pete, the oldest surviving Disney character that's still in common usage. He predates Oswald. That's how old Pete is. Now, Pete, originally voiced by Billy Bletcher in the old cartoons, still an iconic voice. You hear Billy Bletcher, and that's Pete. So Jim had big shoes to fill coming into Pete for Goof Troop. But, man, does he nail this character. (laughs) Like, his Pete is the reason Goof Troop is watchable. He's the reason the show works. Yeah. The best Goof Troop episodes have some combination of Disney Australia and Pete. And the best ones are when those two come together, like Pete's Day at the Races or Goofs of a Feather or As Goof Would Have It, anything where it's mainly a Pete show and he's animated by Disney Australia. Those are the ones where Jim just takes over. And he does so many things with his voice as Pete that he doesn't even do now, but he got to do then because his Pete was such a jerk. But Jim got to revel in it for 65 episodes. Yeah. And I I love his Pete. Yeah, it's crazy because uh, his his Pete would go from the lowness of gumbo to the, to the height of like Darkwing, you know, uh, you know, at his like, you know, um, most extreme, but screaming and yelling. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. If you took those two and added in like the screaming and shouting and that, that there was like a little bit of like that, like an accent there. I couldn't, you know, it's hard to explain, but like the, the kind of like almost like, you know, scheming, you know, and he would, he would, uh, um, mispronounced so many things and that was just his way of talking i'm just gonna throw a bunch of my favorite little pete lines i bear with me guys there is the episode um as goof would have it where he pretends to have lost a lot of weight by shooting goofy's picture and sending it to a weight loss company he he has the camera he wants to take goofy's picture and goofy's like okay pete shoot and pete says i love to goof but all's like got this camera (laughs) it's it's so funny and like the the two-part serial which pete doesn't sing probably thank god um (laughs) at the end of that one um he gets pete out of his house throws him into pete's goof and he gets goofy out of his house puts goofy in goofy's new house and he's trying to soothe himself as he goes back to sleep and he's like oh that's a good Petey. that's a good boy as he goes to sleep (laughs) oh and it's just it's so great and I just, I love, and it's just because there's so many Goof Troop episodes I don't go back to because he's, he's either not in them or it's really heavy on Goofy and Max. Mm-hmm. But the ones where he's starring in, I go back to a lot because he's just so funny. <laughs> it's yeah, just, I, it's, it's great. Yeah, but, I, I mean, when he continued that, uh, that voice into the uh, um, the films, a uh, goofy movie and extreme, extremely goofy movie. Even though that the latter wasn't as uh, uh, he wasn't as prominent, but no. in the goof, in a goofy movie, uh, it was, it was so much map, fun. map, goof, yeah, yeah, yep. Taking a break from the MTV, MTV generation. generation. Can't say blame you. But um, <laughs> I will end with my favorite uh, Pete line from Goof Troop. 
Um, and it's just, I, I guess it might just be the way it's written, not really the way Jim says it. The episode Pete's Day at the Races, with the, he's got this racehorse that is a complete failure. So Pete decides to cut his losses and sells shares of this racehorse for way too much, way more than he should be. He even says, I sold more horse than there were horse, but as long as he lost, I don't lose out anything. And he's narrating the episode. And then he segues into a scene of Goofy discovering the horse has a nail in its hoof. That's why he can't run. And he says, meanwhile, the dreaded goof. And it's just so great. <laughs> the dreaded goof. And it's just, it is, it's the way it's written, yeah, but just the way Jim says it. Yeah, and yeah. yeah, he still does Pete, Mickey Mouse Clubhouse, Mickey Mouse, Mickey and the Roadster Racers, Mickey, what, all that other childish nonsense they have going on now. I, I've seen a ton of. Pete isn't as funny because he's not a jerk anymore. He's like the nice screw up. He's just the nice, the nice guy who's a bit of a bully, but, you know, he has a good heart. Mm-hmm. So he isn't as funny. But still, Pete's up there with Darkwing and Tigger and Pooh as one of Jim's greatest characters. Now, sure, as we start sure. to wrap, as we start to wrap up, a character who's not one of Jim's greatest characters, and if Jim, love you, man, if you're listening, I apologize. Um, bonkers D Bobcat. I'm also gonna apologize to Will. First of all, I don't know where this voice came from. It's just a deranged Darkwing Duck. Um, <laughs> the character itself, I don't think it's just the voice work. I think it's the way he's written is very obnoxious. I don't know many people who are like, yeah, I love Bonkers. He's great. He's not. He's obnoxious. What makes Bonkers work is usually the animation that goes along with him. But what does work about Bonkers is that, holy geez, your two main characters are both voiced by Jim. Yeah. And it's not like you got like Darkwing and Negaduck bouncing off each other. The thing with Lucky and Bonkers is that they're constantly talking at the same time. You have Bonkers like jumping around Lucky. Like he climbs all over his body, like, oh, we have to do this, Lucky. We have to do this, Lucky. And as he's talking, Lucky's like, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, <laughs> tunes, yeah. But the voices are edited together in such a way where. Jim has to make one character bounce off the other, even though he's not recording them at the same time. That's amazing. Yeah. Because that's that is 90 percent of the Lucky Piquel episodes are just these two guys bouncing off each other for 22 minutes. And, and it wasn't just, like it wasn't like that from the start either, because, you know, I I'm like I mean, I'm not sure everybody on the pod, podcast knows, but, you know, it didn't start out that way. The Miranda Wright episodes were first so it was just jim but then you know then they retuned it and brought in lucky and then that's when magic happened it was just fantastic and the bonkers and the luck and the miranda episodes was just a goofy kind of fall guy the bonkers mm-hmm. and the lucky episodes was a complete lunatic who never <laughs> shut up and you got lucky under his breath muttering things constantly and playing off this goofy lunatic and yeah it's grating yeah a lot of people don't like the show yeah it was roger rabbit did it better but you can't fault jim you absolutely (laughs) cannot fault jim for that it was again bonkers is something i would recommend a handful of episodes you know the two part the two part origin luckily nobody sings 
um the two-part <laughs> origin um episodes like fall apart bomb squad really really great just episodes like that serial surreal just there's there are some great episodes that just have so much great jim cummings dialogue and disney australia and my and bonkers does have a line i love there's the episode called stay tuned where they're chasing a they're chasing a criminal and bonkers goes let's get him and cuff him and give him a trial and convict him and parole him as a joke and arrest him again super quick <laughs> like that but it's the one time watching bonkers every time i watch that episode i burst out laughing because it's so damn funny the idea of paroling a criminal just to arrest them again is so warped, but it's really, really great. Sometimes Bonkers had a little bit of genius in it, but you had to look really deep to find it. For sure. Um, but that kind of stops Jim's golden age, because right after Bonkers, it became the let's adapt movies. So luckily, <laughs> Jim kind of came along for the ride. He was Rizul from Aladdin, so he got to play Rizul. It's just his angry, tough guy voice. He was Ed from Lion King. Again, all he did was laugh, but laugh he did, and it was great. Uh -huh. um, so he got to be in the Timon and Pumbaa show. But then he kind of dropped off. And again, I aged out of watching these kind of cartoons. I know Jim's done some great stuff since then, but my Jim Cummings is the stuff we just talked about. Oh, yeah. But I want to take the last few minutes to discuss... One of his more recent Disney characters that really has really I do adore. I adore this character. Ray from Princess and the Frog. I couldn't believe in the 2009 Disney film full of like, you know, guys like Keith David, stuff like that. Even Oprah Winfrey's in it. Uh -huh. Got Jim Cummings gets two solo songs in this film. Oh, yeah. There's a Disney soundtrack where Jim Cummings is singing two songs. And, he, <laughs> and he's taking these, one of his favorite places, you know, Louisiana. Like, he, that's a big part of who Jim is. Right. You'll find his Louisiana Cajun voices in a lot of shows. Um, he was Leatherhead from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I know he was a very Cajun kind of character on Quack Pack, but here is where he gets to just do this as a character the whole way through. Right. But the character isn't just funny. He is sweet and you care about him. Mm -hmm. And I remember the first trailers, but the first time you heard him as Ray, people were like, Oh God, this character is going to be obnoxious, but he's the heart of this movie. Oh, sure. And sure. I think he's great. What is your opinion on him? Have you seen the movie? I have seen the movie. Yeah. And again, I was really shocked when I found out that, you know, I mean, I'm not trying to discredit Jim because, you know, again, voice actors don't get that star appeal that some of these other, you know, actual known faces, if you want to call them that, um, you know, have. But, yeah, for him to be cast as this character and and as you said, he really knows how to to give that Cajun flavor to a voice. But that that character's got so much depth and so much enter to start like star power and entertainment value it's it's great and and there is you know a heart and that is the heart of the film and i think that's uh um that's you know why he was brought in because he yeah. can uh, he has that ability to you know instill that I I energy 
I mean, his first song is just him being silly. You know, follow the bouncing butt. But then yeah. he sings the love song to the star of Angeline, and it's like, oh, my God, it breaks your heart. <laughs> like, Jim was able to do that with Darkwing. We didn't mention that lullaby because me and Will have mentioned that one. But Jim drops Darkwing's voice down so many registers to sing that song. Mm-hmm. And he's doing that with this goofy Cajun Firefly. And then, spoilers, if you haven't seen the movie, stop listening. That character dies. And he yeah. gets a death scene where he dies on camera and Jim sells it. Yeah. Yeah. When, you know, Naveen and Tiana are like, we're staying frogs. And he's like, I like that very much. And Evangeline likes that too. And he, he dies right there. And it's like, Jim, man, he just sells that. Yeah. yeah. Like, there have been many death scenes in Disney movies, but I think Ray's death is one of the best. Because they went for it. Everybody in that theater, and the theaters were crying. Uh, I mean, I I, I was tearing up, I'm not going to (laughs) lie. And, you know, Jim still does lots of stuff. Um, Most recently for Disney, he was Jim Starling on the new DuckTales. He got to be Negaduck. Didn't get to do it again, but who knows? The reboot's coming. I know it's a thing. I know it's going to happen. Let's see if Jim is involved. Knock on wood, I'm sitting at a wooden table. Knock on wood that he is Darkwing and he gets to be Negaduck. And they just, we just get more Jim Cummings goodness. That's um, true. Because the is guy true. is a legend. The guy is an absolute legend. Like, he's up there. Rob Paulson, Jim Cummings, Tress McNeil, like... Rob Paulson, Jim Cummings, Tress McNeil, and Mel Blanc. That's by Mount Rushmore. There you go. Maybe, oh, maybe, maybe June, with June Foray. Well, if I had like a second round Mount Rushmore, maybe June Foray, Billy West, uh, and John DiMaggio, and yeah. uh, I don't know, Dan Castellaneta. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, there you um, go. Oh, don't forget, um, and, and uh, let's, let's not forget uh, some of the other voices he did. Frank Walker. Walker. We have Frank Walker. But who, well, who else? Frank Walker, I, I agree with. But yeah, I was also going to point out, you know, outside of the Disney you know, universe, you know, he, he uh, um, you know, brought life to uh, uh, Taz once again. Yeah, let's just let's mainly like just mention and stop at Taz. We don't have much <laughs> time left here, but Taz, yeah, he got to be Taz. I think he was a Taz in Space Jam, too. But he yeah. was he was great as Taz. He had that spit thing that Taz would do. Of yeah, course. his Taz is yeah, it's not Mel Blanc, but it's still very, very funny. Yeah, he was a great Taz. Yeah, it um, still needs to be noted. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> that, 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 yeah, that was that was that was Jim. Jim brought that to Taz. Um, but we do have to stop, um, cause uh, you know we want to get this under an hour. So thank you once again, Bill, for being my guest. Hopefully this will yeah. be the last time we can get back to those last three Darkwing episodes. This, They're yeah, coming, guys. Uh, yeah, uh, good things to come to those who wait. But thank uh, you. yeah. I, Again, I appreciate you having me on, Mike and and Will. You know, though you're not with with us today, but uh, uh, thanks again for for letting me be a part of this uh, this great ride. And I, I had a blast. And uh, I'm gonna you know, also say you know, thanks to to the great Jim Cummings for making the magic happen. Thank you, Jim. You are definitely a very big part of our childhood. We love you, man. So. We are the St. Caron Files, a Darkwing Duck podcast. You can find us on all podcast apps, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, iTunes, uh, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, iHeartRadio, 
everything. We're everywhere. We're also on YouTube. Find us wherever you, whatever your podcast poison is, we're there. Uh, we also have communities on Facebook, uh, Twitter, Reddit, and Instagram. We're everywhere. So with that, I'm going to call it a night. We will see you next time where hopefully we'll be talking about Flash Reunion. We'll keep our fingers and toes crossed. Knock on wood, that's what's going to happen next time. Thank you, everyone listening, for your patience. And thank you once again, Bill. Absolutely. So to everyone listening, uh, have a great night and uh, stay dangerous. Take care, everybody.